Hi, guys, and welcome to today's episode of Coffee with Bobby. Today, I'm joined with Jevin Koleth. Jevin is an executive leadership development coach and keynote speaker based out of Austin, Texas. His mission is to make an impact on future and current leaders by implementing a dynamic mentorship curriculum with a primary focus on emotional intelligence. Thank you so much for joining us today, Jevin. How are you? I'm doing great, Bobby. Thank you so much for having me on. I'm, I'm super excited to just, just chat with you and be on this platform. Wonderful. Well, we are excited to have you here today. You want to tell us a little bit more about what's been happening in your world lately? Yeah, absolutely. Um, so in my world lately, I live in Austin, Texas. So as of late, you know, I'm, I'm pursuing my full-time job, um, which is healthcare consulting, uh, but also my passion project on the side, which is uh, executive leadership development coaching. And um, the reason that that you know, has always been a passion project of mine is just through personal experiences. So, you know, during this quarantine period, I started reevaluating things and just kind of thinking intrinsically of like, what really fills my cup? And that was one of those things that filled my cup. And I just hadn't pursued in years. And it's been, uh, it's been fun to just start it back up and get on different platforms and just meet new people and, and to talk about it, especially you know, with what's going on in the nation right now, I think it's, it's, it's even more needed. So yeah, just super excited to just pursue my, my passion here. And that's amazing. It's taken this time of, for, I think a lot of us to just step back from what we were doing and doing on a daily basis, sort of maybe not the rat race, but I likened it to like the hamster wheel sort yeah. of, you know, it was like the same old, same old, you know, for me, I was on the road all, all the time and there was like no place to breathe to like focus on these passion projects. And then it took this time of just like stopping and being like, that's what I really need to do again. I need to pick it back up. Yeah, no, absolutely. I think sometimes, especially in today's day and age, I feel like we get caught up in the way of the world, you know, and I think it's so easy uh, to get caught up with what the world's expectations are of you, you know, and I think that's that's a key thing that I learned this this summer and through the pandemic is there's a set of expectations that have always been led out for me um, and who in my career path and my personal life I should be, and that quiet time just really made me just reevaluate what's what's important. You know, you have one life to live. You have to pursue your passions, and you got to better yourself every day. So. I've, I've completely flipped that mentality. And so it's kind of like you're finding the blessings in, uh, in having a global pandemic, which is so weird to say, <laughs> but there, there's blessings in, in, in everything that you go through. And I think this is the intrinsic development is definitely one. That is amazing. And you hit the nail on the head. Like you have to go through these hard times to like uncover the diamond in the rough. Coming out of that fear of judgment of who you were, quote unquote, like meant to be these expectations, what was the huge mindset shift for you uh, to get over that hurdle? Yeah, absolutely. You know, I, I think um, I'm going to keep it keep it 100% real. I think people have uh, typically, and you see this in social media and you see people's stories, and it's a, it's a nice cookie cutter approach of, you know, this is ABC, this is how you do it. And you just got to keep going. And I'm going to be the first person to tell you, 
um, the way that I got there was failing multiple times. <laughs> so the way that I honestly was able to get over my fears and, and pursue my passion was starting it up, letting fears come in, going back to where I was and just over and over again, going through that cycle. And I think the repetitions helped, you know, it's a, I just did not give up on my passion project. So eventually, you know, I had enough repetition, repetitions in me and I worked on myself enough to where I was like, I'm just going to go for it. You know, I actually sat down with a friend, uh, CJ Finley, and I remember sitting down with him and, you know, I was just going over all my stuff and just getting his advice. And one of the things he said to me, he was just like, yeah, dude, you have it all already. Like you, you have what you need to start up your leadership development coaching. What are you waiting for? And I, I just remember that conversation vividly because I, in my mind, I'm, I'm reaching perfectionism, right? I'm like, mm -hmm. no, I, I don't have these different things laid out. I don't have my curriculum laid out. You know, um, what are people going to say if I don't have A, B, C, D, or I don't have this? And I just started thinking of what people would say. Um, and hearing him say like, yeah, people have started with a lot less, you'll be fine. And I just took the plunge and, you know, got on his podcast first, put my website live, started getting speaking engagements and started getting clients. And it's been a, it's been a whirlwind of fun then um, since, since that time. So yeah, the short story there is a lot of hardships. <laughs> I mean, we all have to step out and go for it. I yep. mean, when I look back at how I started this podcast on Instagram live is how it started. And then there was like one episode that needed to shift from Instagram to zoom. And I didn't remember to hit record. Like I was doing it on mobile and I thought it would automatically record and it didn't. And I was like, well, here we go. We're going to do a rendition of like, Here's what I remember from what happened. And it's those failures that you keep stepping out, you keep getting to where you are. And now look at us now, like we're doing it on Zoom to Facebook Live, it's on YouTube, it's going on Apple and Spotify podcasts, but it's in those moments that we find it. Your friend CJ said it so well, you have everything that you need right now inside of you to do what you're meant to do. Exactly. Exactly. No, he, he said it so well. And I think um, the biggest thing that I got from that is actually, you know, I started correlating that with some of the lessons that I've learned in life. And specifically with leadership, one of the biggest lessons that you learn is your weaknesses are actually your superpowers. Um, and so your trials that you go through are your biggest superpowers. And, and the reason I say that is I think we get to a point of instant gratification in society of, of people just sometimes think that you can automatically get something and it's just going to be there. And I, I always say like, that's, that's great. Some people are naturally gifted that that stuff is sometimes going to be there, but a lot of the beautiful things in life and a lot of the best creatives that are out there, the best painters, the best musicians, um, some of the best leaders, they have really honed in on that talent of turning those uh, defects and trials into their superpowers. And so I think when you do that, the greater purpose you have and the more belonging you have with your initiative. Um, and that's something that I had to learn. You know, I had to kind of go through that. Um, and CJ reminded me that like your purpose is there. Stop doubting yourself. You know, and I think that was 
that was something that really sparked that up and got me out of that cloud. So yeah, community is important. <laughs> For sure. Important. And it takes the people in our lives and in that inner circle to say, you know, like, come on, like it's there. Why not step out? Why not do it? You're, you're just putting that imaginary fear of judgment, you know, on yourself without actually stepping forward. Now, let's explain it and sort of break it down for people who are like, so he says he's a coach and he's getting all these speaking engagements and he just started stepping out. So for you, was it just like a lot of knocking on doors of emails and LinkedIn and just, you know, Instagram DMs of being like, Hey, I'm doing this. I think it could help you. Yeah. Very good question. And I, I, I completely think that's a necessary thing to talk about. I, I, I want to start with going back a little bit on my journey. Um, so with me and leadership development, like where, where that sparked, where it originally came from was um, just growing up, I, I, I would naturally be drawn to some of these leadership positions. And I thought that I was honestly doing a great job <laughs> as a leader in all of these different things. And I remember like, you know, I'm like, I'm the best task manager out there. Like no one can compete with my task management skills. <laughs> I'm undefeated in that. And so I remember thinking that and, you know, went through college, went through undergrad and, you know, the, the plan that, you know, I had to follow was in a way, the family plan, which is uh, find something in the medical field. And so I remember pursuing that and not really identifying with being a clinician, um, ran into a job as a physical therapy tech in a big hospital chain, best job ever, because I learned my servant heart, my servant skills of, I worked with stroke patients. So work with spinal cord injury patients, traumatic brain injury patients. And these are people that can't lift themselves up. So you're helping a therapist give them treatment. And oftentimes the therapist is doing the actual treatment and you're physically holding these people up that can't hold themselves up. Yeah. And so that was probably the most humbling experience because I knew I didn't want to be a clinician long-term, but it instilled in me that service of, I, need, I knew I wanted to help people. Um, so that's where it started for me. And I actually switched gears and I saw some leadership uh, type graduate programs that were out there and I just took the plunge and applied for an, like, an executive healthcare administration program. Didn't think I was going to get in because it says a lot of experience in administration. Got in to a cohort of like 14 people and I was that kid in that cohort. So I was, everybody else was like CEOs, COOs, directors, and I'm like, I remember the first day and they went around the tables and I was like, I'm a physical therapy tech, you know, <laughs> I just sat there like, uh, and they're like, who let this kid in? Yeah. They're like, this is who, why is this kid in this, in this group? And I loved it because from that moment on, I knew that I would have the underdog story and I, I love the underdog story. And that's always made me thrive. So it makes me a little competitive. So every project, every grade, I wanted to show these people like titles don't matter and I'm going to school everybody here. So, and that was a fun accomplishment, but more than that, I was able to learn from all of these leaders in a room and they're still good friends of mine and still world changers and things that I don't even think I'll want to do, you know, like they're just so accomplished. And so moved from there, got my first job as a regional type manager um, in the same company I was a tech at. And so I had like 18 clinics, then went 
got promoted, became a director of hospitals with the admission processes. And so I just went through this linear chain of leadership. And one of the biggest things that I got to do in those positions was something that was handed to me that I didn't expect, which was leadership coaching. Um, and I got to just coach like up and coming clinicians for years in the corporate setting. Um, so that was, that was a big thing for me. So then I came to Austin um, and I wanted to try that up. And that was a big passion of mine. And so the way that I started getting gigs is honestly, I'm that guy that never sleeps in the sense of like, I'm not waiting for someone to invite me to uh, an event. <laughs> I am applying and DMing anyone and everyone that their purpose and their content um, aligns with mine. And then when you start doing that, so-and-so knows someone else and then they're going to start referring you. And then, then you start have people like reaching out to you. And so that's how that process starts. And so I want to make sure I love this question because I think sometimes people have a false perception of you have to have like a certain number of Instagram followers or social media presence to do stuff. And um, not really. It's your dream. Um, and I say it's as hard as you hustle. That's how you're going to get your opportunities. And I'm a, I'm a good example of that. You look at my career, you look at all the things that I've been through, you know, some people may think like, oh, he just has contacts. And I'm like, no, I hustle. <laughs> I literally message everybody every day. Uh, and that's my way of marketing and letting people know who I am and what I'm about like this. So this is amazing. And that is so true. Like, I've gotten myself into meetings. I'm very similar to you, Jevin, of like, you're always ended up like around the CEOs, around these corporate people, and you're just sort of attracted to them. And yeah. I know on the event side, they're like, Bobby, you talk to them. Like, that's the client. You can schmooze them. I'm like, I'm not schmoozing. We're talking about food over here. Like, yes. it's just a <laughs> conversation. I don't know what you're talking about. Exactly. Um, but I've found myself in like, all sorts of situations like that when I lived out in Santa Barbara and I was doing sailing photography and sailing every week during wow. the But the way I got that was because I started talking to somebody who lived in Santa Barbara and has wineries out there, yep. connected in DC years ago yep. when he happened to be at the final four men's basketball tournament here in Indy. And I was working just as a low brand ambassador and decided that everybody's in town that I need to meet. And I'm going to spend a couple extra hours after work at the wine bar and see who I come up with. Yes. And like those moments of just like networking and putting yourself out there. And then when to bring this to close like how I got onto the boat was I was hanging out in Santa Barbara with that group and I was like you know it's really cool to watch it from the yacht club don't get me wrong but I want to be on a boat taking photos and then his advice to me was Bobby you know what you have to do go talk to people so then I ended up on taxi dancer I don't know if anybody they might be watching this on here but that was the thing of me to like I had no experience. Yeah. Like, you seem adventurous. You seem athletic. Like bring your camera. We leave at 4.30 today. That's amazing. That's and, amazing. Yeah. And it's like you, the answer is always going to be no, unless you ask. 
Exactly. Exactly. And I, I think we're so similar in that, in the sense of like, yeah, no, I mean, there's no amount of ego that's going to stop me from asking um, for my opportunity. You know what I'm saying? And I think that's the biggest thing. That's, that's a key concept right there, Bobby. I think for young entrepreneurs and young leaders is, is honestly, like if you want something, you have to go get it. Um, and you have to be, you know, it doesn't matter if it's a big company and you're intimidated by this company, like what's the worst thing that happens? You send a couple of emails, you find out their Instagram handle, you send messages and you never hear it back. Okay, great. Yeah. Then you move on, <laughs> you move on to the next. But it's even scarier. Cause I'll say yeah. this, cause this happened as well. And it was around that same point And we we're talking like, to around eight to 10 years ago. And I was doing more photography and like met a colleague who was an art director in Singapore at the time. We're trying to work on this project and pitch Citibank. Okay, so I'm a low person, way low. Like my photography skills are nowhere near what should be pitching Citibank. Right. But he forced me and it was a, a lifelong lesson at that point. He was like, well, you're in the US, like you got to try to get a meeting for us if we're working on this. And I'm like, excuse me, like, how am I going to get a meeting with Citibank? Right. And he was like, well, um, start emailing them, start checking it out, like see what you can get into. And I kid you not, I ended up with a phone call at the time with the CMO of Citibank. Amazing. the meeting didn't go anywhere after that. Yeah. But it was that learning experience of like, you just have to ask. Oh my gosh, that is so golden. Yeah, no, I think that is such a key thing there. And I, you know, I have a similar experiences, nothing as big as Citibank, but I would say definitely I've, when I first was starting to do this, it was that first tr- uh, step into risk taking that risk of asking right and I, I remember going through that and I think the fear that was playing in my head it wasn't even my fear it was more of a fear that culture and society put into like literally were brought up that way in the sense of like if you don't go through the educational system a b c d or have these creds or have the status or don't know these people you're probably not going to get something right and um, I had the same experiences. And once I stopped worrying about that and putting myself out there, I remember like I had four or five rejections, but that one acceptance made the difference, like huge difference. And I remember being down from the rejections, but then that one acceptance, I'm sitting here like, okay, put those rejections away. Like I'm working with this place, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? And I never thought that I would ever be able to do that with, like you said, minimal experience and um, coaching people who have twice your leadership years, you know, like things like that. You're just like, what? <laughs> but it, it's not about that. It's not about the stats. It's not about your creds. It's about who you are as a person and believing in yourself and then pursuing it and not giving up. So I, I love that example that you gave. And to add on to this, when you believe in yourself and you find yourself in these situations, no matter how much experience somebody else has, you still have value to bring to the table. There is something about your experience that they haven't seen before that you can offer and build upon that and offer that value that they're like, 
I need this person in my life. You, that, that's an amazing point. And the reason I, I say that is because I think that is one of the core principles of being a great leader. It, it honestly is. If you're a leader that believes that I can only learn from people who are a higher status or the same status as me or um, more experience, you're missing out, right? And I think the best leaders out there are folks that are like, you're not even in the same industry as me. You're a bartender, but I'm going to talk to you and I'm going to learn more from you. And I'm going to actually learn something from this conversation. And so I think going with that intention as a leader, as a person, with every person that you interact with, everyone has a different life experience. And if you're going to lead a team of diverse people, um, what better like research study than going out there and just learning something from everyone and then really talking about taking action and being inclusive. So I think that's the core principle, not only in leadership, but I think humanity in general is. For right? sure. Yeah. So it's like, it's that difference between the pursuit of a good community versus that egocentric lifestyle, which is basically like egocentric is in a way of like me, 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 I need more status and I'm going to surround myself around this. And what makes the world a better place is just learning from your neighbor, you know, or learning from someone who's totally different. So yeah, I love that concept. I think it's such a undervalued concept and I, I think it's time to bring it back. <laughs> 100% agree with you. The world is a better place when we are actively learning and engaging with people and opening ourselves up to conversations. I can say I've learned so much just from starting this podcast. Like I was chatting with somebody else. They're like, who do you have on your show? I'm like, literally everybody. I've had venture capitalists, I have leadership coaches, financial advisors, musicians. Like there's so much that we can learn from everybody. And then you become this like sponge of soaking it all in. And somebody comes up to you and you're like, oh, do you happen to know somebody who does this? And I was like, oh, actually, I've got somebody right here. You want to contact them? Yes. No, but that's, you know, it, like you said, humanity and kindness and just bringing that value back of even though we're in this um, sort of disconnected time yeah. of just being like, you know, we need to be at home or we need to like close in our bubble it still goes to show that we need to check in on our neighbors and we need to open up our community, even if that's online. Yeah, no, I think that's amazing to, that's an amazing, you know, theme to talk about because I think the pandemic has forced a lot of things, but one of the things it forces is that you don't realize how much you need community and human interaction until it's taken away, you know? And so I think that's huge. And I think obviously the virtual community has, has taken a huge leap, which is amazing, but you're right. Like one, you need community, but two, the action part of it is really wanting to learn and accept people who are different. And uh, if you look at what's going on in the nation right now, I think um, with just people with differences of opinions and uh, it's, it's it just, it's so disheartening to see what's happening because I, I think a lot of this is, you know, you talk about inclusivity and racial um, sensitivity and things like that. It's people are going through so many experiences and trauma and suffrage. And all we have to do sometimes is just listen 
you know, and all we have to do sometimes is not only listen, but then the next step is stand with your people and take action, you know, in the appropriate way, in a, in a way that's better for society, which is, um, which is so, so, so crazy to see what's happening. And I think I keep reminding myself, like with all the crazy things that are happening, there's some gold somewhere there. There's some good somewhere there and there's some opportunity somewhere there. So what I hope is as a humanity and as a, as a world that we, we find that hope and we find that faith and that gold and, and we take action, you know, and we just make the world a better place by that simple concept we just talked about, which is literally listen to your neighbor, learn something new and then take action. Right. And not go at things. If you are at opposite ends of the spectrum, like don't go at it by saying the other side is completely right or completely wrong. And your way is the highway. And I feel like there's the group in the middle who are like, I can't stand any of this right now. Why are we doing this? And then you've got the two extreme sides going, they're wrong. I'm right. They're wrong. And it's just this back and forth. And you're right. Like be human. Like at the end of the day, we're all human. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Be human. And I, I, I love what you said is, is what we all want is peace, you know, and what we all want is a good world to live in. I, I hope that's what we all want. You know, I think that's a good, good place to be, right? A healthy right. place to be is peace and a, and a good world to live in. And I think what's lost sometimes is, you know, we, again, it goes back to what does community mean? You know, and I think community is a place where you can honestly have fellowship and relationships with people and you're not putting I before the world, you know? And I think that's so strong to think about because when we are so passionate about our points and our, our, our stances, our, we are, have to automatically think, am I positioning this from a sense of just me or am I positioning this as far as what's best for the world? And that's that's where I think these extremists are losing the idea of, of humanity is we're so caught up in our views and what we believe in and we've dug ourselves in such an extremist point of view that we're not recognizing that this individual or this community has been suffering for years or suffering in a certain way and we can't validate that any longer. And that's that's when I see that on any spectrum, any stance, no matter where it is, when I see people not being able to empathize anymore and be there for a community and suffrage that's going on, that's when I'm like, oh my gosh, it's so sad to see. <laughs> I know. You just look at it, you're like, how is this happening? Yes. And you're describing this sense of community. I know for a lot of people in the US or I'm not going to generalize here. I'll say for me, mm-hmm. being one who used to have the nomad lifestyle, you know, I would come home to my parents' house and that would be like home base, but I was only home for like a week, maybe two weeks, and then back out on the road, hopping from city to city. That sense of community, like I found my community in coffee shops. Like I connected with people there. Yes, every coffee shop was different. I made friends around the world. Hence why I needed that sense of community back and I created this. But when you 
mentioned this sense of community. The image that popped into my head was in fall of 2020, my boyfriend and I went down to Costa Rica, to Puerto Viejo uh, for one of his friend's weddings. And he used to live down there. And I can tell you the moment I landed in Puerto Viejo and go, it's a super small beach town, you know, like laid back lifestyle. But I met like a hundred people that day and they're like, oh yeah, you're Matt's girlfriends. Like, oh, Bobby, yeah, we met her. Like I saw people on bicycles and that was this sense of community that I was like, where is that here? And like most of them are expats. Most of them are Americans, but that's where they found that community and that sense of wholeness and everything. And it's something that I've yet to find a hundred percent in other places that I've lived. Santa Barbara has come really close. Yeah, absolutely. Oh my, yeah. What what you hit on the, what you hit on the nail with that story is my dream. <laughs> you know, I think that's amazing, and I I completely agree. I think if you think of the the country we live in, it's 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 a cultural melting pot. If you think about it, right. The only difference is I don't know if it's. Uh, culturally melting like together like cohesively it's very like segregated in different ways right like when you start to blend cheese together you know like when you melt the cheese if you're trying to make homemade queso or something i'm not talking about what's velveeta here (laughs) the good cheese yes and you know you got that oil separation you got to melt it all together at the right times otherwise you're going to get these weird coagulated layers and bubbles and it's going to be like that weird chip that you dip in and it's all stringy cheese and you're like what happened here yeah absolutely no I I completely agree and I would say my first experience and this is full transparency my first experience being in a setting in a meeting anything with with such a, a cultural melting pot was um in Austin, when I moved here, I was just, you know, hopping, trying to find a church community. And I found a multicultural church community, which in down in Austin, which was beyond me. I remember sitting there during service and just listening to the sermon. And I looked to my left, there's an Asian American. I looked to my right, there's an African American. I look to my front, I was like, there's an Indian person. And I look over here and I'm like, there's a, a Caucasian person. I'm like, this is amazing (laughs) and I remember like talking to people and we all are going through the same things with different backgrounds and you know I think that was beautiful for me it reminded me a little bit about your Costa Rica story a little bit it's like people not just races but just from different views and different thoughts and uh age like whatever it is like just that idea of that that worldly community uh, it's it's just so awesome to, to to see that into place and so yeah I'm, I'm thinking that's probably a good opportunity through these hardships you know we talked about super superpowers earlier right mm-hmm. <laughs> these turmoils and trials there's a hidden superpower there and i, I hope eventually we catch on to it and it's unleashed 100 <laughs> percent like that now is the time if you're listening to this and saying you know like i wish i would see more of this or i need to see more of this in my life like take that action you know it's here you've got it within you if you need to see more positivity 
turn off the TV. If you, you know, like stop scrolling and taking care of somebody else's highlight reel. Exactly. We're all people and yeah, like be positive, check in on your neighbor, call a friend, you know, send a text message. And that's what we all need more of these days. Oh, that's, that's actually really good. And I love that you said that because you broke it down very simple, right? It's like, if you think about it, to get to a point of this uh, happy world that we're talking about, it really is each person being better, right? So what better way to be better than, like you said, you know, take some time to get out of social media, take some time to get out of watching Netflix, go get some air, go get some vitamin D, go get, go work out go eat healthy, you know, pursue those better things in your life because your those little physical health things do affect your emotional and mental health. Right. And I think, um, finding that happiness with yourself then will eventually change the world, but you have to start. And so I think that's a fantastic point. If there's anywhere we can start, it's now within ourselves and then eventually we'll get into that team mindset, but yeah, it always starts with ourselves and it's just take baby steps. Yeah. And one simple step, like I'll give this example too. And people who watch my stories on Instagram know, like I'm a huge fan of fitness and working out, eating healthy. But my brother, who is a former police officer, challenged me because I don't have a gym membership here in Indianapolis and it's getting cold here. And he was like, okay, well, you know, I have a plus one on my membership, but the caveat is I go to the gym at five in the morning and I was like, ah, that's so early. I don't know about that. He's like, just try it. Just give it a week, you know, like come with me, see what happens. And I've been going for a month and a half now. Oh, wow. Like six days a week. Yeah. Hitting the gym, like waking up at 4.15 in the morning, leaving the house by 4.30, pulling in at the gym five till five. And it's honestly helped so much, but you know, in my mind before I was like, that's so early. What am I going to do? He's like, you're up early anyways. Yeah. Like it's free right now. Take it or leave it. And in the back of my mind, it's like, it's free. Plus I get personal training out of it too. So it's a (laughs) win-win. Like, I'm just like, just, you got to wake up early. Exactly. No, you, you brought up a great point. I think it's just taking that first step. I think anything that's changed is going to be, I don't know about for everybody, for me at least, it's super uncomfortable. Like I remember I did the same thing. I, I told myself, I'm gonna wake up at five. I'm gonna you know, start off with a little bit of meditation and prayer. I'm gonna read a little bit of a book and then I'll get my morning you know, jog or walk around Zilker down here in Austin. Mm-hmm. And then I'm gonna come back and start my day. And it, it made the biggest difference to be able to do that and practice those things. Um, but I remember the first three or four times that I did it, it was probably the most painful thing of my life because it just, who wants to wake up at five in the morning and usually your body's just not, and let's just be real. I'm not in my twenties anymore. So the older that you get, the harder it is, but oh, me either. I'm not in my twenties either. There you go. So it's like, I'm 33. So if anybody's watching this going, yeah. you know, 
oh, it's only for these young kids who do it. No, no, no. <laughs> no, no. See, Bo- Bobby and I both are 33 and we're... <laughs> We're rocking it. <laughs> We're rocking it. We're killing the game. No, it really is just being making yourself super uncomfortable. And eventually, like you said, it just becomes a habit, you know, and it's not about being perfect. It's about the reps. So just continue doing those reps and there you go, you know, and if you're a person that's overwhelmed by the list of things that you want to do, like myself, I always just put on my board three things I'm going to accomplish today, or just like two things that I know I'm going to accomplish today. Um, And the reason I break it down so small is because sometimes our list of things that we want to do are so big and you just got to take those micro chunks and make yourself better every day, you know? For sure. And it's like you said, like break down that to-do list. Because when you were going at it, I was like, he's got to say three. Like <laughs> the key number there. Yeah. Our lists are like forever long. They're like grocery lists. Exactly. And even if you're not going to the grocery store now and you've got that curbside pickup order, like those things go on for endless. Yep. Um, but yeah, like just prioritize, find things in the morning that you are grateful for, set your day off right. And then just have like two or three things that you know that are like must do things today yeah. and even if you're a person who overly plans um then just have like an overarching weekly plan of goals that you want to hit for the week like it doesn't have to happen today exactly exactly and i i, I love that we're hitting on this because you know i i was thinking of the other day like lesson plans for for the, my leadership coaching and I just remember going back to my experiences coaching individuals and I was like, the individuals that were the the hardest, I believe, to coach were individuals that never realized that life concept, which is in order to work out, I'm going to have to go through a little bit of pain, just go through, make myself better every day. Um, I have so much anxiety, but I've never gotten to the point where I've narrowed down my list to just doing one thing a day. And I know it sounds simple and I'm sure everyone out there listening is like, that's the simplest thing out there. Yeah. But when you start doing it, you realize it's not so simple. (laughs) And really that's, that's the biggest thing. I mean, I've literally coached people with such high credentials and, and things that never understood that life concept. And It's like they want the logic and the steps and the IQ of how to quickly do something. And I'm like, there's no to do on how to make yourself better. Like you just have to go do it. (laughs) You can't jump from point A to point Z right after you have to hit all the other letters in between. Yeah, exactly, exactly. And so I can't tell you the number of people that at that point, it was an honor, like it was like a trajectory step in my career. Like for you to do this, it's like a trajectory. You have to meet certain standards. There have been like doctors that I've turned away from this program because that one step was never understood. Their skill set was IQ, so they could accomplish a lot of IQ things, but just that one sense skill set of, hey, like, great, you read that article, but you still are having issues in this area of EQ. <laughs> and those are things that me as your coach, I, I can't help you with. And I need you to discover how you can help yourself with that self-growth, whether that's professional help, whatever it is, like we have to get those barriers through, but 
there's no, I can't give you a shortcut. There's no prescription or shot I can give you for this, <laughs> you know? Yeah. And I feel like it's at these times, you know, we have the ability and this goes for everybody outside of leadership, whether you're in it or whether you're not, but on those things that we want to do, or we keep telling ourselves that we can't do it, or it's going to be too much of a change and so forth. But we like a compensate for it by like, oh, well, I'm just going to like sit here and watch Netflix, or I'm going to sit here and scroll through Instagram or TikTok, or instead of actually taking, you know, the five minutes to meditate and go deep on your inner thoughts. But yeah, I don't want to do that inner work because that sounds too hippie out there. Yes. when I know it's going to help me, but I don't want to bring up those past traumas and deal yes, with it. Yes, absolutely. Oh gosh, that was so good. Yeah, no, I think that was the number one resistance that I got whenever I did leadership coaching or like clinic culture things. You know, a lot of people would just look at me like, you're taking me away from patients to talk about this. Like, are you serious right now? So there's such a stigma around EQ. You know, I think uh, such a stigma around purpose-based and things like that. It's very financial-based. It's very, like, in-your-face, like, flashy, like, uh, recovery stats. Like, these are the things that people think of when they think of leadership. But you're right. I think it's not until you get to the coaching and you get to failures where people realize, oh, this stuff matters. You know, (laughs) it's like, oh, my gosh, maybe I should should actually look into these things and, and try to make myself better. I think... One of the things that really came into my mind when you were talking about this was that whole phrase of fake it till you make it. And I think the reason that came into my head was it's such a big term, especially nowadays. It's like, I like this topic. I don't have experience in this topic, but I like this topic and I'm going to fake it till I make it. You know what I'm saying? It's one of those things. And I'm like, to an extent, if you do your due diligence, absolutely. But there's no extent in life of faking it um, because you actually have to go through it, you know? And you have there's no shortcut for that. So you have to work hard to get to where you wanna be. And there's no trajectory, there's no one way to do it, but go find that, you know? what If that's knowledge, if that's bettering yourself, if that's being healthier, like whatever it is, find your way of finding it. But you're going to get to a point where that faking it's going to catch up. Exactly. And if you're like, this goes beyond just like faking it on a work sense. And, you know, we're talking about the whole well-being of a person because I've been there as like workaholic syndrome and, you know, I've seen what it does to health. Even when you try to prioritize health and the stress gets in the way and so forth. And I had an eye-opening experience when I was 23. Yeah, 23. And I had a doctor tell me, you are a walking time bomb. Oh my gosh. Like when you hear that from a doctor and they're like, you can't work out anymore. Your inflammation's way too high. I don't know what you've been doing, but like going to the gym every day, you know, what else are you doing? Because it's off the charts high. Like you have to stop, you have to de-stress your life. 
you've got to like literally you've got to put on the meditation you've got to do yoga walking is exercise now you're, there's no personal training there's no spinning classes but when you hear that when you're so young of like got it uh now's the time to change or stuff health's going to go way down line and you don't want that to happen like you start to learn that the workaholic syndrome is not where it's at like yes you can work hard and know you've seen it with a lot of execs because they're like i've got this i'm making the money it's all good but then they don't look at the other side of the whole well-being of like what family life is like or every other aspect of life. Oh, that was so good. That, that was so good. And I really, we have so much in common. I didn't realize how much we had in common, but yeah, same thing here. I, through some of my career moves, I, I figured out that I actually have a couple of autoimmune GI issues, like uh, what was it? Crohn's and celiac yep. and things like that. Um, and so I went through that and, you know, I, you know, in my past realized that I was, I was definitely an emotional eater in the sense of like, I didn't realize that food was my medicine in so many ways. Uh, so I would go through weight gains and then lose it all weight gains and lose it all my whole life. Right. And so, you know, when I was diagnosed with these things, it was a hardship, right. Same thing that you went through. It was that moment of this is a really hard time, but then you have to flip it around. Right. And then, so after putting in the work, I'm like, I feel better than I ever have at a certain moment. And I never thought I would get there. Right. And it's because I'm eating clean. It's because I'm actually working out. <laughs> it's because I'm, you know, looking into holistic approaches um, and things like that, which I, I didn't really need to do it. I was like, I can be young and eat unhealthy and do these things and get away with it. But until you hit that hardship, the change that you make is so much deeper, you know? And I think that superpower that you get is so much deeper because you went through this hardship. And so, yeah, life is the best teacher out there. And same thing as you, like I was a workaholic and I looked around at the executives around me and I was just like, man, no one's happy here. (laughs) Like, I was like, nobody's happy. Why do I want to be a CEO of a hospital? (laughs) Like, I'm just sitting here like one day, like, this is what I want to be. And I just remember looking at my circumstances and just who I am as an individual and my value and my purpose. And, you know, things just did not align. And so I moved to Austin. Like I literally moved to Austin, went into a completely new world um, and am living life right now at the age of 33, which is amazing, right? But I had to go through these hardships, these diagnoses, life-changing moments, being okay with being in public settings and being like, oh, I can't eat that because I'm allergic to it, you know? Oh, I've been there. (laughs) We'll talk more after the show about that. But yeah, Yeah. I can 100% relate to that. No, no, I want, my my thing was I would get, there used to be a salad at Cheesecake Factory and it was like fresh vegetable salad. And I'd be like, by the end, my mom and I would go there a lot like before I was traveling a hundred percent and that by the end of it they're like Bobby we just created a pre-save button for you with all of your changes on the salad so just tell them if you have a new waiter or waitress just tell them to hit your button it's like on the computer (laughs) exactly or you know just getting over the fact that when you're like in it like corporate 
you know, meetings or dinners or you're taking out a client, just those questions of oh, you're not having bread. Like, why aren't you having bread today? And I'm like, yeah, you know, I can't have bread. I'm allergic to gluten. I'll be in the hospital. But anyways, like <laughs> <laughs> moving on, we don't want to go there today. <laughs> yeah, I was like, next topic. We got 10 minutes. Let's keep going. You know, <laughs> like <laughs> there's things to do here today. Yeah. And I think right now that's even more normalized in today's culture oh. from what it was. Oh, yeah. Oh, so much more normalized. I mean, even, you know, moving from Dallas to Austin, like that healthy eating and just these different, like I can't go anywhere and I can't not see gluten-free, vegan-free, dairy-free. Like it's just everywhere. I love that about this city. Um, But yeah, you just get to a point. That's just another uncomfortable situation that turns into an opportunity that doesn't phase you. People are like, how do you live that life? You can't, you got to figure out the new research and things that are out there. And I'm like, no, I'm good. I feel great. <laughs> yeah. Like I'm work, I'm rolling with it. Like, I don't know about you, but I'm doing me. Yeah, exactly. I feel great. I know my limitations and I've, I've turned that into happiness. So we're good. <laughs> that is incredible. Jevin, as we begin to wrap up this conversation, one question I ask on every show is, what is one of the biggest blessings that you've seen over this past year? Yeah, the biggest blessing that I've seen this past year is, I guess, just the importance of life and the opportunity that we've been given. You know, I think this year has been a year of so many things (laughs) that have just popped up, so many uncomfortable situations, um, so many disruptive movements that are happening in the world. And I think uh, it just forces you to really just look within yourself and figure out what are those opportunities of growth that I need? How do I make myself better? And then how can I help the world? Um, so how can I make a difference in the world? And just pursuing whatever passion that is, is, is the biggest blessing that I've, I've realized. Ooh, I love that. And where can we all find more out about you? Yes, Media, absolutely. Websites, you name it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so definitely Instagram. I think, uh, Jevin Cole is J E V I N K O L E T H is my Instagram handle. So you'll see fresh content there, but my website has a little bit more about my leadership side, which is www.jmkleadership.com. Amazing. I'll make sure to add this wherever you're watching or listening to it. It will be in the caption and the show notes so you can connect with Jevin and learn more about leadership development, just all around positivity, well-being aspects in life. Jevin, thank you so much for coming on the show today. This has been amazing. This has been a great time, Bobby. Thank you so much for having me on and, and keep doing what you're doing. I love it. Oh, wonderful. Thank you. And for everybody who is watching today, as we leave you with our closing statements of peace and community. Just do something today for your neighbor. Whenever you're watching this, whether it's calling a friend, whether it's sending a text message, checking in on your neighbor, smiling at somebody as you're going on a walk, just embrace that sense of community today. So thank you so much for tuning in and listening and watching today's episode of Coffee with Bobby with Jevin Kolath. Thank you so much. Bye guys.